welcome to the Raptors show on Sports at 590 The Fan. I'm Blake Murphy. Last day filling in for Will Lou and Alex Wong. It's draft day. But as that prince, as we come in, might give away a special guest today. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sports at YouTube channel and airing live on Sports at 360. That's Monday to Friday, 2 to 3. Will will be with you tomorrow to break down what happens tonight in the draft. The Raptors with the number 33 pick. Will they move up? Will they move back? Will they move out? Will they move in? Will they trade OG Ananobi for a Josh Hart Nasir little number seven pick package? You'll have to wait until tonight. (laughs) You'll have to wait until tonight uh, to find out. Lots of good content to get you through, though. Michael Grange has an excellent pre-draft setup column up at sportsnet.ca. Grange, Oren Weisfeld, a couple others have had draft profiles up on some of the Canadians at .ca. Um, Stephen Lung and a couple others uh, doing some draft analysis and looking at the Canadian prospects or Raptors targets, Holly McKenzie with a, she's continuing her great series of global jam features. Uh, and of course, Grange and the crew will have you covered post draft tonight at sportsnet.ca. Quick shout out before we get into the guests uh, to Pascal Siakam, who his coding for champions uh, charity project gave out 150 laptops to uh, girl students in Regent park uh, as they try to make coding more accessible Uh, in general, and specifically to women. Uh, Shout out to Pascal for that. So it is draft day. We're going to talk to Sam Vecini of The Athletic, whose draft guide is 90,000 words of excellence. Uh, And it's the the most control-effed webpage of the day in the entire universe. Everyone's going to have that open, and when their team selects a guy, control-F, take your takes right from Sam's uh, document. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I had the chance to speak to Raptors head coach and Canada basketball senior men's national team head coach, Nick Nurse. Earlier today, uh, Nick joined us for about 20 minutes uh, talking, yes, a little bit about the draft process, a little bit about where the Raptors are and what they may have learned from the NBA playoffs as observers. Nick Nurse is also playing in the Toronto Jazz, at Toronto Jazz Fest with Prince's band this weekend. Uh of course, we led with that. Uh, this is my conversation with Nick Nurse from earlier today. Joined now by head coach of the Toronto Raptors, head coach of the Canadian senior men's basketball team, Nick Nurse. Nick, thanks for taking the time. Uh, how is your summer so far? Oh, it's been good, Blake. Uh, thanks for having me on. Nice to nice to talk to you. It's been a while, but no, we've we've had a good uh, good uh, spring. Obviously, the weather's been fantastic here, so. We've been we've been enjoying um, the time, you know, kind of the downtime here during the since the season's been over anyway. That's great, and and everyone knows the last week of June or so is a huge week for you because yes, the NBA Finals just ended. Yes, the NBA Draft is tonight, but this weekend at Toronto Jazz Fest, you're going to get to play with the new power generation, <laughs> Prince's band. How <laughs> fired up are you? Well, I'm excited. I think I think everybody by now, and you you well know, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Prince fan. I always tell the story of riding a Greyhound bus all the way up to Minneapolis to to see the Purple Rain tour when I was a 17 year old kid. So I've been I've been a I've been a pretty much a, a fan, a lifelong fan, but certainly uh, ever since then. So no, it's it's uh, exciting um, for me. I'm, I'm, uh, love the music, love the band, uh, love the Toronto Jazz Festival. Was was uh, 
excited when I hear they were coming. That's for sure. That's great. And I know uh, everyone knows, of course, your, your music ties to Arkells as well. And they're opening the rally court in Hamilton uh, a little later this summer that the Nick Nurse Foundation uh, helped contribute to. Um, how how are things going with the Nick Nurse Foundation? I know you have a big golf tournament coming up later this summer uh, that everyone yeah. should keep an eye out for details on as well. Yeah, things are going good, Blake. I think, like, um, again, with everyone, we got off to, to, to an auspicious start. You know, I think our opening uh, night dinner was, was the night that the news came down about Rudy Gobert, yep. and the next day we, we all went into the pandemic. So uh, we were able to raise some money that night. We, we, you know, had to kind of shift. We haven't been able to get out and do a ton of things, you know, but we did still get some things done uh, delivering instruments back during the pandemic. We had to leave them, leave them in the driveway or the parking lot or wherever and <laughs> they'd have to come out and get them, you know, things like that. But we have, uh, you know, the, the Thanksgiving dinner, we were able to get out and do in person, the Christmas giveaway thing we were able to do in person. We'll certainly be there tomorrow to uh, unveil this new court. Um, uh, we got a, we got a, I was in a school yesterday, which we're getting ready to start a, uh, form and form and fund a whole music department for a school. So we're getting out there and doing a bunch of things. Um, still able to raise some money. You're right. We do have a huge golf event coming up August 3rd. Got some amazing uh, celebrity guests coming in. Uh, that's for sure. Playing it out at Wooden Sticks. I'm super excited about it. That's great. And, and Max, uh, yeah, I, I forgot actually that it, it's tomorrow on, on Friday that the rally court gets unveiled in yeah. Hamilton. Uh, anyone in that Hamilton area, make sure you check that out and you can find all of it at um, Arkell's Music, all, all the information on their socials. Max actually asked me to come out, Nick. I, I told him I, I can't. I'm in Chicago tomorrow. Uh, but the real reason is I had a, a thought that you might be there and I can't let myself play basketball in front of you. You'll never, you'll never take me seriously again. <laughs> oh man. I would have, I think, I think I might be coaching one of the teams. I could have, I could have had you. We could you could have said, you know, we, we work together. You yeah, play for I, me. I got to coach you. Those would be good stories down the line. So yeah. sure you want to change your mind. Uh, unfortunately <laughs> I'm in Chicago. That's a real excuse. So uh, can't make it work, but, and look, the, the NBA size of the pill has been sold out for a while. Will Lou keeps telling me, Oh, I improved my free throw shooting so much. I got to see it to believe it. But, uh, you know, I, maybe, maybe it'll work out sometime in the future too. I know we got global jam stuff coming up with Canada basketball and, uh, and sports net and everything as well. So might, might still be time for us. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I look forward to it. <laughs> Um, so, Coach, we are not too removed from the end of the NBA playoffs. Golden State wins the championship. Uh, I, I talked to Jamma the other day and kind of got his experience being on that side of it with, with Golden State. Um, I'm curious for you with where you guys are at with the Raptors in, in terms of the building and the development. When you watch how the NBA playoffs played out, were you able to take a lot from that, from what you saw, and maybe take that back to – your coach's room for the year ahead? Well, I think there's always things, Blake, that you see and evaluate. Um, you know, for me, I'm just, I'm just constantly um, looking at how our, you know, how we would match up, who would be guarding who if we were playing in the game in both directions. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like, can we, can we win our share of the matchups, which would, which would be able us to compete and have a chance to win the game or the series? Right, that's a lot of it. 
Um, is there anything, you know, really unique or special that either one of the teams do, you know, tactically or stylistically as well that you just kind of always got your eye on? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm kind of evaluating it all the time from both personnel and tactically, you know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, an NBA Finals where I don't think anyone who played any meaningful minutes was over six foot ten. Certainly, uh, certainly interesting given your roster construction. Um, one thing that stood out to me about the Warriors and, and the Celtics as well, since that core has been together for a little bit, um, and I know that it's something you've leaned on early in seasons is that value of continuity within your rotation. And um, I know you guys run a a defense that can be a little tough for guys to get up to speed on right away. Um, How much of a premium do you put on that continuity in your rotation? How much do you value the ability to bring five, six, seven guys back who know what they're doing already? Well, we value it a lot, Blake. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I had, I had a good, talk with a bunch of the guys, you know, just last week. And, and I think that, you know, just, just comparing like what we're getting ready to come into this season versus last, you know, we were, we were picked like 11th or 12th in the East by most people. We didn't really know who we were, had what our identity was, but that's what we worked really hard to build up. And now you're coming in. And as long as you have most of that continuity, you have that from day one. And then that enables you to understand what you're already able to do, right? So there isn't quite as much testing and experimenting. And then it's also um, enables you to, to continue on and grow um, at both ends of the floor and add new things and, and do, um, you know, some more unique things with this group of guys. So the draft is tonight. Um what is your level of involvement in the draft process? Um, I know, you know, when you guys were going to the finals run and stuff, you, you couldn't be at all the draft workouts, uh, Jam and, and Brittany and a couple others were flying back and forth and stuff. But um, what is your, your role this time of year as the front office gets ready to, you know, find you a rookie at 33 or explore trades, things like that? Yeah. I mean, I've been around mostly uh, Blake, I, as I mentioned, I've been here in Toronto. So um for, for it being a downtime, we've had an awful lot of basketball going on in, in our building. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of workouts. Uh, I haven't been to all of them, but I've been to most of them. Um, uh, we also had some, you know, summer league uh, free agent stuff. We had, you know, we had, we've had a lot of, a lot of our own players are in town, you know, uh, uh, working out, you know, at the facility. So it's been, it's been, uh, there's been a lot of basketball going on and, and what else? I mean, just constantly talking with, um, Bobby Masai and, and the scouts, um, you know, pretty much daily, you know, pretty much just seeing, you know, what the news is, what's going on, any, anything shaking. We just communicate right constantly. And if, it, if it's while we're there, or it's there, if it's early in the morning or late at night, we need to communicate. We do so leading into this thing, but I'm, I'm um, excited to, to, for today. I think it's an exciting day, and you always have a chance to get your roster better today, and that's always exciting for me. When you look at the individual players and you try to see how might they fit in the defensive system that you guys run or the offensive system that you guys run, it, what is – how do you – how do I phrase it? How do you kind of marry the short-term and the long-term where a guy might be able to – come in and give you something day one, but another guy you think can grow into that 
role and grow into that system longer term. Um, I, I, I have a feeling that yeah. you as the head coach, you know, you think a little more, how can this guy help me today? How can this guy fit our system today? What is that side of the draft process like for you? Well, I think that you're, you're right. I think you're, you you said a lot in your question there that, Sorry. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, no, no, that's okay. I'm, I'm just going to kind of confirm some of your thoughts there. But I also want to, you know, add my own kind of take to it is that, yeah, I mean, listen, I want to start winning when the ball goes up on day one next week. That is, that is the primary part of my job, right? But I also, you know, have a part of me that understands that, making sure the the soundness of the organization and the long-term, you know, projection or vision or development of the program is, is, is solid. Right. So I think there's always a little bit of, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm usually positive, right. I, I, I get excited about if I think a guy's going to be great, even though it's three years from now, we're excited about getting him in the gym as soon as we can and, and getting him to help our team as soon as we can as well. And and going from there, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I and again, apologies for the the wordy question and kind of no, answering okay. it for you, but it's uh it's a it's a fascinating thing when you got the organization and you've obviously had a huge hand in this, um, the develop while you still focus on winning is not something that is easy to pull off. So I'm always curious to hear uh your perspective on, on how you balance those things, either at draft time or, or um, during the course of the regular season. Uh, I wanted to ask you something semi-related to that about how things go during the regular season. And um, you have a lot of good young players who continue to improve. And when guys improve, they sometimes want more of a share in the offense or the opportunity to get to do a little bit more, show a little bit more. How is that challenge for you when it comes to keeping everyone satisfied, keeping everyone developing, and keeping the focus on winning? That's that's a lot of hats at once that you kind of have to balance. Yeah, you're you're right. It's um it is one of the biggest challenges of probably coaching in the NBA, Blake. Um, my answer probably is I was I'm, I was very fortunate to have really good training, kind of in this area. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, go go to the go to the D League or the G League where I where I did you know six years as a head coach, and all those guys are trying to make a name for themselves each and every night so they can get called up, right? And and somehow, uh, and you already touched on this too, you know that the winning is really part of the development. Teaching them how to play winning basketball is is like at the top of our list in in developing players. Right, so we always tried to do that when we were at the D League team, and and those guys, you know, they usually took a lot of our guys because we had a winning, winning program. You know, they they want teams that are that are impacting teams that are winning and playing winning basketball. So I kind of always had, you know, that is uh, had to work through that in the minor leagues, and I think that really helped me. Um, and it continues, continues to be a challenge, and I continue to try and hone that part of the craft, but but um, I think it's part of the job. Is there any part of you that you get to the NBA after that time in the G League and you're like, 
maybe you exhale for a minute. It's like, good, no one can just take my players when we're heading for the playoffs. And now the organization has had enough success that you keep losing assistant coaches. Uh, and you're kind of like, what the heck? This is never end. Uh, I know, you know, Jama goes to Golden State, uh, Patrick now going to Phoenix, and, and of course, Chris and Nate getting the opportunities that they did. Um, how do you, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of the same question as with the player side, but manage that, that you want the people around you to have better opportunities, but maybe you don't want to lose too many of them uh, each summer. <laughs> yeah, listen, I think that, um, you know, first and foremost, again, it's really the, my almost my whole coaching life, uh, Blake was spent trying to was in leagues that, that people were trying to move on from. You know, so it's kind of ingrained that I was always trying to help people bump up and and get. You know, if it was England, they were trying to get to to mainland Europe, Italy, or Spain. You know, if it was a D league, they were trying to get up with their assistants or trying to get head coaching experience or get there one day. Right. So no, I mean it's it's again it's part of what what we as an organization really value and what I personally really value is trying to do everything we can to help people reach their goals and um, certainly do everything we can to you know give them the give them the hands-on experience you know like in practice I let those guys you know run the head head coach the scrimmages you know one on each team and give them a chance to make their own subs, call their own timeouts, draw their own plays, all those kind of things. And, and then when it's time for them to go, you know, maybe coach the G League team again because I think they need some head coaching experience. We've done that. We've had two guys. You mentioned them, Jamma and Patrick, both kind of moved through there. And then, and then they, they move on to, um, you know, bench, front of the bench, you know, hybrid bench positions, and, and uh, they end up having great experiences. It's just, just to help them grow. For sure. Nice, nice synergy with the national program there too, where you can get Nate and Nathaniel, you know, those opportunities. And I know Nathaniel's going to be coaching the the men's team at global jam here, July 5th to 10th. Uh, so yeah, nice, nice little synergy uh, there as well. Um, do you, I, it might be too early for this, but do you, do you anticipate any changes to your staff or, or, you know, kind of like backfilling the, the Patrick stuff? Well, it's just, it is just a bit too early. Uh, just, just don't know for sure. Uh, Blake, like how, you know, like, uh, obviously we need a new 905 head coach, right? So not quite sure where that's going to land, you know, what, and if that happens to be somebody else that's on my staff moves over, then we'll have to replace somebody, but just a bit early for those dominoes to kind of all be filled in. Understood. Uh, by the way, sorry, while we're on the coaches, this is not something I plan to ask, but I just thought of it. Uh, you obviously had your acting debut this year. Did you see Sergio's acting <laughs> debut in that new Adam Sandler movie? <laughs> I have not. I hate to tell you, I have not. Uh, We've been trying to watch it. We've been trying to watch it uh, every day for, for a while here, and uh, we just haven't quite got to it, though. I hear amazing things about it. Um, and, and it's certainly on my list of things to do, but may, maybe once I get the draft and the court thing and this music thing this weekend, maybe, maybe wait, I got national team starting on Monday. So maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe July. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get it in. Like yeah. a few things you gotta, going you on. You got to right find now, a break in here somewhere. At least like get to a baseball game or something. Bend the one. Bend the, bend the one to one Blue Jays game. Blue Jays are playing great. Watch them. With, with me and the boys watch them. Uh, we, we love uh, watching them, and we watch the Blue Jays in 30 almost every morning. So we, we're really up to date on how the Blue Jays are doing. 
Amazing. Well, I got to tell you, Jay's Talk Plus, 3 to 5 p.m. on Sportsnet Radio. Uh, I, I'm your guy uh, if the kids want the, the deeper dives. Um, yeah, the, the movie Hustle is is really good, and the Sergio and Kyle cameos are, are really funny. Um, one more quick one before I let you go, Nick. I know you got a busy day, but the people would be upset with me if I didn't ask, how's Scotty looking? <laughs> well, he looks fantastic. You know, he really does. I, I um, didn't see him for about a month, and he walked back into the gym, and he did, he did have a an appearance that he looked um, different, bigger, stronger, better, a little smoother on the jump shot. I know, I know that's a lot in a month, but that's, that's kind of my first <laughs> my first impression was, wow, you know, like, wow, does he look good? So it looks great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Coach. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, again, Rally Court in Hamilton on Friday. Uh, Arkell is in partnership with Nick Nurse Foundation. Uh, your Nick Nurse Foundation charity golf tournament coming up in August. Uh, and the Toronto Jazz Festival. You playing with uh, with Prince's old band. Uh, busy time, but it sounds like you've got a, a heck of a summer ahead. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time out, Coach. Okay, great. Thanks, man. Take care. Not that you need reminding, but that was Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse, also head coach of the Canada men's senior national team. Uh, I mentioned Global Jam. In this is Nick Nurse, baby. I mentioned Global Jam during that interview. Uh, one of Nick's assistants, Nathaniel Mitchell, will be coaching the men's team. Uh, Carly Clark from Toronto Metropolitan University coaching the women's team. As a reminder, that's ahead July 5th to 10th. You can go to basketball.ca for more details on how to get tickets, uh, what the schedule looks like. Again, you'll probably catch me and Will uh, at one or two of the games that that day. There's a day that Canada and the U.S. play on the women's side and the men's side, and the Jays don't have a conflicting game on the schedule. I imagine I'll be there that day. Uh, There might even be... I don't want to give anything away. Maybe an opportunity to see me out on the court. I couldn't make the the rally court thing in Hamilton today, much to Nick Nurse's chagrin, but maybe something around Global Jam. Uh, we'll see. So that was Nick Nurse. It's draft night tonight. Wasn't going to put him on the spot for, hey, who do you like at 33? That's Eric Green's gimmick, uh, asking Bobby Webster every year. So who are you going to draft as the opening question in the pressers? Uh, but we're going to talk to Sam Vecini of The Athletic in just a minute here, nobody better to talk to about the draft heading into tonight. Uh, we're going to go through some of the higher level storylines of the draft in general uh, at the top of the draft, Sam's top four, Sam's top five. And then we're going to get into some targets at 33. We're going to get into some guys who are Raptors. What Sam considers when he's looking at, Hey, who might the Raptors be interested in? Uh, and then we're going to kick around the idea of, is this a draft where the Raptors maybe come out of this with, a couple guys they like, not necessarily because they make trades, but because it's such a flat draft. Sam's one tier is something like 22 to 49 is all one tier of guys. I've already got the story pre-written of Toronto Raptors draft. This guy at 33 immediately signed two undrafted free agents uh, who were also in the mix for them at 33. They did this, the Dewan Hernandez year. They were deciding between, along with a couple other names, Dewan Hernandez, Terrence Davis, O'Shea Brissett, Shamori Pons, ended up with all four of them on the roster at one point. Uh, This year has that written all over it. Uh, We'll talk NBA draft prospects at number 33 with Sam Bassini next on the Raptors show on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. 
The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show. Last segment with me, Blake Murphy, filling in for William Liu and Alex Wong. Will's back tomorrow to break down the Raptors' performance in the draft tonight, tell you about who they got, tell you about any trades they made, tell you about his vacation if it's a boring draft night for the Raptors and nothing else happens, uh, maybe recap where all the Canadian guys go in the draft. Uh, again, sportsnet.ca has a ton up on those guys. Michael Grange has a nice draft setup column on the Raptors up at sportsnet.ca. Uh, a few different writers have contributed profiles on the Canadian prospects on possible Raptors targets. Um, Holly McKenzie doing the, the global jam features. So make sure you check all that stuff out as you prep for the draft tonight to help you prep for the draft tonight. I pre-taped an interview with Sam Bassini of The Athletic, the guy when it comes to the draft. This is that interview. Joined now by Sam Bassini of The Athletic, host of the Game Theory podcast, the guy when it comes to NBA Draft Week, the busiest man on the planet this week, I'd imagine. Sam, how are you, buddy? (laughs) I'm doing well, man. It's good to chat with you. I'm so glad we're getting a chance to do this. Uh, It's definitely... Uh, a busy time of year, but I'm always going to make time for you, buddy. So when you're cranking out like 100,000 words for this draft guide, I before we get into the players, like what is the playlist? Are you one of those people that you can't have lyrics, so you're like classical music and you're maestroing your top 100 as you move <laughs> them up and down? Or are you going with the, the classic comforts? What are you doing here? So three, I would say like I, I alternate between three things. At first, I was so when I started this, I had just seen the Batman. So I was kind of running through the Batman score. And then I had a couple other scores, ironically, both Johnny Greenwood scores, Spencer and uh, um, the the Western last year um, with Benedict Cumberbatch. What was it? I'm drawing a blank on the name. But. Yeah, um, by Jane Campion, that movie. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was because my brain is irreparably broken by basketball right now. Yes. Um, I'm surprised you didn't say Benedict Matherin in the uh, in that Western, <laughs> honestly. Um, the second... How, Power of the I, Dog, I, is that the one? That's it. It's Power of the Dog. Exactly. Um, and then I transitioned into like my old Reliable, which is always going to be pop punk. It, of course. I can just write for hours upon hours pop punk i listened to a lot of all-time low I, this time it was a lot of alkaline trio randomly um you know moved into like a little bit of gaslight anthem and then like i, I actually got back into Anne berlin a little bit wow um yeah i know like uh, surprising to me as well yeah um and then midway through the draft guide stranger things came out so i started to dive into like 80s you know uh pop almost like synthy stuff and rock music and anywhere from kate bush to eddie money uh (laughs) something in that uh window i i i'm gonna try to go through i'm not gonna do this for all 100 uh guys that make your top 100 but i am going to if i sense you're like 
overly negative about someone or you write <laughs> or you write negative things in like a particularly flowery way i'm like oh yeah he was listening to a lot of alkaline trio during this one like the That's depth amazing. he's going to to describe this broken jump shot uh are so deep so sam what is this week like for you like I, you've obviously worked so hard leading up to this point is it a lot of sorting through misinformation and agents hitting you up for information and stuff or do, is this like at this point are you just sit back and enjoy the chaos it's a lot of it's a combo of both right so i, I think the people that follow my work know that i try not to get into the like deep dive reporting games right because right. i think oftentimes a lot of what gets thrown around this week is a lot of misinformation right and some of it's real, and you know, I certainly will dive deep into finding out if something is real or not. Uh, but it is a lot of me kind of sitting back a little bit more. I mean, look, the the rush to finish the draft guide is always <laughs> one of those things that is just so crazy. Those last two or so weeks, that like I, I was in my office, you know. 12 hours a day finishing that thing. So on some level, I'm a little bit more relaxed. I'm a little bit more calmed down. You know, this week I'll write the mock draft today. It's Sunday over in North America. And I will, you know, get the mock draft set up and ready to go for Monday and Tuesday. Draft guide comes out Tuesday. I'll do some conversation stories with our beat writers that I can really enjoy. And then, um, a lot of it's phone calls, kind of like you said, taking phone calls, seeing what's going to happen. Uh, and then eventually the live show that will happen yeah. uh, on the Game Theory YouTube feed, uh, which will be on you know Thursday night where you guys can tune in and watch me and Matt Penny just dive deep into what's happening and have some fun. But yeah. it's it's a long week for sure. That draft guide is such a great resource, not only for prepping for the draft, and I know the Raptors only have the number 33 pick, but if you're a Raptor fan and you're listening to this, what is the one thing that the Raptors have pretty consistently done over the last few years? Brought in at least one or two really interesting undrafted free agents, and that's the 50 to 100 range of that uh, of that draft guide. So uh, make sure you keep that yep. bookmarked into Summer League. Uh, I do want to ask you some Raptors related stuff, Sam. But before we get into that, top tier on your big board right now, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, and Keegan Murray. When you look at that top five, who are you most convinced of and least convinced of in terms of like, I know last year it was a lot of talk of, well, top four, top four, top four. And then the Raptors kind of broke that up with Scotty Barnes going ahead of Jalen Suggs. Yep. Um, do you feel similarly about this top five as you did the last year's top four? So I have no, for me, tier one players are your Cade Cunningham's, your Zion Williamson's, your like elite of the elite players in the last, you know, few drafts, for instance. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any of those guys in this class. Okay. I do have, you know, three guys in Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith and Paulo Bancaro that I think are genuine top three picks in any draft. Okay. Right. I don't know that there is a typical number one pick, but there are three guys that are legit, really, really, really good basketball players. The guy that I feel most convinced is going to be a really effective player who impacts winning is 
Jabari Smith because he is an elite shooter at six foot ten. He's a very good help defender. He has real switchability on the ball. Uh, I don't think he can really guard fives, and I think that some ones might catch him occasionally, but he's going to be able to hold up uh, across the positional spectrum defensively. And on top of that, I think he can get to a step back pretty easily. He has a great frame, six foot ten, seven foot one wingspan, broad shoulders. He's going to be able to fill out really well. And I wonder if by the time he's 25, we're going to kind of look at him and go, man, like he can just get to whatever spot he wants on the court, right? Um, it, it's just going to be hard to stop him, I think. Any chance he the slides, guy, any chance he slides a 33. I'm <laughs> not sure about that. Blake, sorry, buddy. Uh, uh, all right. The guy that I think has the highest upside, though, is Chet Holmgren. Mm-hmm. And it's just so hard to find guys that are seven foot, seven foot six wingspan, genuine rim protectors. Like he has a chance to be an all defense player in the NBA while also hitting 40% from three, being able to grab and go on the break. And, and something that I often have thought about in this class is with Jabari Smith. It's easy to find comps for him, right? Like there are guys out there, you know, big shooters who can defend multiple positions. The best players in the NBA, they're often compless, right? right? Like there's never been another Giannis. There's never been another like Joel Embiid is different than Akeem Olajuwon in pretty substantial, tangible ways. Um you know, Nikola Jokic is different than Arvidas Sabonis and is, like, a unique player. Chet Holmgren is a genuinely unique player. There's not really another way to describe it. Like, I, I, he's very skinny, but he's also tough. Like, he is arguably the toughest player in this class. He has an incredibly professional mindset. He is, like, just an incredible worker. And then on top of it, he has all these skills. He can handle the ball. Like, you know, we've known about him since, you know, he broke down Stephen Curry off the bounce at Steph Curry camp, you know, three years ago, four years ago, whenever that was. And all he's done since then is get better. Uh, He has some of the best defensive anticipation instincts that I've ever evaluated. I I think he is unbelievable in the way that he just knows how to be an incredible help defender. I think he is one of those guys that is kind of, like unique in his own way. And it's, it's hard for me to credibly assess the downside uh, of him knowing that he is as, you know, hard of a worker as he is and as tough as he is. Like I get the frame concerns. I know he's skinny. I know he's 190 pounds at seven foot Mm -hmm. tall. I, I just kind of think he's going to figure it out. He has that kind of mindset to where it's going to be fine. So it, it's, you know, I think he has the highest upside if it all comes together. But I love Jabari Smith and I love Paula Bancaro and Jaden Ivey as well. I, I love the way you describe that with Chad. And, you know, these the prospects who you read their their profiles, you read their blurbs in your draft guide. It's like, man, that guy's a complete original. That's what's so cool about basketball to me and basketball prospects yeah. is that as the game modernizes, as more kids have access to videos uh, of other NBA players of earlier strength tr- strength training or skill training or whatever it there's there's never a lack of new type of guy you can be um so we go down a tier here on your big board and the second tier in this draft is topped by 
what I'm going to call three Canadians. Uh, Benedict Matherin, Shaden Sharp, and A.J. Griffin, who we're going to claim as long as Adrian Griffin's still on the Raptors <laughs> staff. Uh, just to beef the numbers up here. But those three guys come uh, next. Oh. In seriousness, uh, Matherin and Sharp, uh, do you like their chances to kind of continue this pipeline of Canadian talent we've seen over the last decade? Yeah, look, I have them both as top 10 guys. I actually have Ben Matherin at five on my board. Wow. I'm a big Ben Matherin fan. Uh, I love the way that he has improved over the course of the last few years of his career. You know, obviously from Montreal, went down to the academy in Mexico City and then went to Arizona. You know, it's been an adjustment for him over the course of the last few years, just, you know, from a life perspective. And he's continued to get better at basketball across the board every single time. I think that, you know, we consider him this guy, he won Pac-12 Player of the Year, and he's been incredibly productive. I think he averaged like 20 points, six rebounds, and three assists over the last, you know, two months of his season at Arizona. And we think of him as this finished product when in reality, he's like, I think, six or seven months older than Dyson Daniels. And he is not wildly older than, I think that he's like younger than Chet Holmgren, to be honest. Like, it's... I think that we're drastically underestimating his downside or his uh, upside. I'm sorry. You, you look at what he's capable of as a shot maker. You look at what he's capable of, uh, you know, as a guy that, you know, when he's locked in and engaged is willing to defend. Uh, and you look at him as a guy that can uh, actually pass a little bit now as well. He improved over the last couple of months of his season in that way. I'm really impressed. I'm really, really impressed with Ben Mather. And I think that uh, it's hard to see a world where he totally fails, in my view. And then on the other side, we have Shaden Sharp, where the questions are just obvious, right? Like, yeah. we haven't seen him play high school or we haven't seen him play college basketball at all. Uh, he hasn't played super high-level basketball in what like 18 months like it's it's been a while since Shaden has really played and it's it's tricky I think or it could be 12 months I'm sorry it's it's been a while since he's played high level basketball and it's he is incredibly athletic out in transition he's an incredibly high level uh pull-up shot creator. You know, he can get in and out of his moves with ease. You know, he has all sorts of step backs. He can hit step backs going to his right and to his left, which is insane for a teenager. Uh, I worry a little bit about his ability to consistently pressure the defense. Like, the, the line that I've been saying is, like, the, the line between Anthony Edwards and Terrence Ross is thinner than what people think. Uh they're both elite athletes. Like Terrence Ross won a dunk contest. Did he win the dunk contest while he was a member of the Toronto Raptors? Yes. Is that right, Blake? Yes. And and kind of a second one because that the second year, like his defense year was that weird team one. And yeah, that's right. Team one. So Yeah, back to back dunk champion. That's yeah. right. Um so like it, that line is thin, and typically it has to do with the ability that you have to intersect power and burst and pressure the rim consistently and get consistent high-level looks uh, in half-court settings. Anthony Edwards can do that. I think that Terrence Ross struggles with that unless he's out in transition. 
I think that Shaden's somewhere kind of in the middle of those two. Okay. Uh, I worry a little bit about his first step. I think he's more of a decelerator than an accelerator. And there's a way to make that work totally. Like, I, I would say James Harden and Luka Doncic are both decelerators as opposed to accelerators in the way that they're able to stop on a dime and create that separation. But um, I, I, when I watch Shaden, I, I just have some... Some very small concerns. Look, he's a top 10 player on my board. I think I have him at nine. Like, I, I am an enormous fan. I, I just want to know more about how he plays team basketball, if he can consistently, credibly pressure the rim, and if he is capable of, you know, playing team defense within a structured uh, system because we just haven't seen any of this yet from him. Mm-hmm. I think those are all reasonable, and the Matherin hype is fun. I remember watching him and Caleb Houston together on, on the U19 team. Caleb Houston, a guy who's slid down boards over the course of the year, but could be the next Canadian up. You know, Len- Leonard Miller going the the G League route takes him off the board. Um, yeah, Sam, I want to I want to talk to you about the Raptors, and I know at number thirty three. The answer is basically, well, we'll see who's left, because if I'm understanding right, this is once again a fairly flat draft once you get out of the first dozen or so names, right? Yeah, I would say that I have, so my tier breaks are 9, and then 10 to 21, and then 22 all the way down to like 47. Okay. So like, it's a, I think it's actually 49 looking at it, so like, big group that the Raptors will have to do real due diligence on. So I guess the the nice side of that, though, when you lay out those numbers, not exactly, but when you look back at, say, the Thad Young trade where the Raptors give up number 20 and get back number 33 in the yep. same draft, the cost of that is what? Is it is it a, like sliding down one tier in this draft, potentially? Is it like knowing what you know about the Raptors, it's probably just you're picking another name from the same tier? It's probably going to be pretty similar for them, given what they look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you could have maybe been in range for someone like Dalen Terry or Jalen Williams that I think is legitimately like a little bit of a level ahead of some guys, but I, I don't know. Or the, the the real question is like, if they had 20, is there a world where they could have like jumped up to number 14 or something and put themselves into position for Mark Williams, who like would solve a lot of their center yes. questions, right? Um, th- that might be the real downside of what they've done here, but that would require additional assets, obviously. And, you know, Toronto, I, I mean, I can't remember. Can you remember a time they've traded up? I feel like it's not no. something they do regularly. No, they, I've, I remember that they've traded in for the Norman Powell pick. They tried to trade up for Tyler Ennis and then ended up getting Bruno Caboclo instead because Phoenix was asking for the world. So yeah, I don't uh I don't know I don't know that Denver did it when Masai Ujiri was in their front office either, so. Yeah. So Tough it's one. you know, I I would say that given the way that they tend to operate, probably not. Uh okay, so let's uh, obviously we can't go through every name here, but of the guys who could potentially be around at 33, are there a couple names that stand out to you as, oh, yeah, that's the type of guy the Raptors look for? Or, like you said with Mark Williams, that's the kind of guy who could potentially fit what this core is missing right now. And I know I know that's really dicey at 33, but play the, play the game with me here. No, of course. Like, I'll give you a name that I really like. I really like Ishmael Kamagate uh, out of Paris, who won the Defensive Player of the Year Award this year in France. Uh, he is a 21-year-old 
you know, international player, uh, was born in Paris, if I remember correctly, 6'11", 7'4", wingspan. The thing I like about Kamigate and the reason that I think I'm a little bit higher on him than some people are, I think he's really light on his feet. You're going to have to teach him some technique in pick and roll for him to play uh, high-level NBA minutes, but... I actually think there's a world where he can stay on the court in playoff games because of how light on his feet he is, because of how quick twitch he is. He makes some recovery reads where it just really showcases how fast he reads things. Uh, not, not How fast he can react to things, I guess, is a better way to put it. Like He's still working on reading things at a high level. But he reacts well. And a lot of the times, like, it's recovering for mistakes he's made uh, because his positioning is off in drop coverage or something like that. Uh, but I look at the athletic tools and he kind of yell, he screams out Raptors to me a little bit because of just how long he is, how twitchy he is. And I think that you're probably not going to be able to switch him, but I don't think he's going to get roasted on switches either if you want to try and run those schemes by the time he's 24, 25 years old. Uh, early on, I think he'd probably struggle a little bit with that, with some fouls. But, you know, th that's a name that really stands out to me. Wouldn't stun me if Walker Kessler got to 33. Uh, you know, 20-year-old center, posted the best block rate in college basketball since 2008, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, super long, can do some things with the ball on the perimeter, can run dribble handoffs, has potential to shoot. I'm not an enormous fan of the mechanics right now, but he has some touch. Uh, just a terrific drop coverage defender, though, if they wanted to go that way. Doesn't scream Raptors to me, but I think those are going to be the two center options particularly. Uh, and then a, cu a couple forwards that stand out. Josh Minot you know, stands out as just a twitchy, yeah, athletic. I'm huge Minot fan. Yeah, forward that stands. Like I, I'm not an enormous fan of his necessarily, but I understand the appeal totally. Honestly, at this point, I'm not even sure. Like after this many drafts covering the team with this front office, I'm not even sure anymore if I really like guys or I just like they feel really Raptorsy to me. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, yeah, this feels this like like Justin this is Lewis at Marquette is another one where it's yeah. like, yeah, that guy, if that guy goes undrafted, I know already what summer league team he's playing on. Like literally took the words out of my mouth. Justin Lewis was my next guy, six, seven, seven foot two wingspan. Um, just like enormous in terms of length. Uh, and then another guy's Dom Barlow from overtime elite. He's a little bit further down the board, but a guy that is, you know, six foot nine, seven foot three wingspan, enormous hands. Uh, I know a lot of teams that are like pretty interested in what he has potential to bring to the table. Like he's so big that there is a world that by the time he develops, he could be like small ball center ish uh, just with how like enormous his frame is. So th that's one that stands out. Um, Christian Coloco is interesting as well. Just as a center, he's a little bit more limited than what I feel like the Raptors like to take because uh, I think he's pretty limited to being a drop coverage big, but you know, not impossible that, you know, they could just decide to take a, you know, plug and play drop coverage center that can provide minutes cheaply on defense for a couple of years. Yeah. They're going to need a uh, cheap defense there with only really the mid level to spend uh, this year. Um, one very, very quick one for you before we let you go. Uh, the odds of Julian Champagne landing with the Raptors as an undrafted free agent, and we got double Champagne's next year. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I think they actually went with different agencies. So I, I don't even know that um, I'm, I'm not totally sure what to expect from Julian this year. It's possible. I, I like Justin a little bit more than I like Julian as a prospect. But yeah, no, I'm uh, I, I'm intrigued with Julian Champagne. He can definitely shoot six foot eight, seven foot ish wing or no six ten ish wingspan um, can play the four, I think. But I don't know if you need both of them, I think is my take. What if we can merge them together somehow? Get Julian's shot in oh, Justin's man. toughness and rebounding and yeah. Uh, if you could put them together. But, uh, I don't know if we're gonna I don't know if we're gonna get that unfortunately. We can try our best. If look, if there's a way to do it, the Raptors will try to find it. Um <laughs> Sam Bassini, thanks so much for all the time, man. Um everyone check out the indispensable draft guide over at the athletic that sam puts out and man can't wait thursday night the game theory youtube live stream for the draft i'm so excited man i'm excited for you i'm excited as a sam Bassini fan as an nba draft fan to check that out uh really appreciate you carving out time this week well you, you know what's funny here blake is you know we're we're recording this earlier. We're getting this out on Thursday. They're definitely trading the pick, right? Yeah. Well, if that <laughs> happens, look, I'm going to – I will immediately run this audio. And then, I don't know. They, who knows? If they trade the pick and it's – then we'll just – I'll re-record my questions as like, what undrafted free agent could the Raptors look at if they slide? Uh, we'll be all right. Just call me again and we're all good. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Sam, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah, of course, Blake. That was Sam Vecini of The Athletic. Go check his draft guide out. That does it for us today. I've been your guest host, Blake Murphy. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sports at 590 The Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff for Will and Alex. Uh, a reminder, we stream live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3. Will Lou returns tomorrow, so you don't have to look at me anymore. Thanks again to Nick Nurse, to Sam Bassini, uh, to Derek Brandeo, J.R. Monitad, and Jennifer Rolnick behind the glass. And thanks to Will and Alex for letting me hop in here for a week and scratch the basketball itch. Will has you covered post-draft tomorrow on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.